Welcome to the Waterways World podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of hire fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World podcast. I'm Bobby Cowling, the editor of the magazine, and with me for this episode is Colin Dobson Fox, one half of the famous Waterways vlogging duo, Foxes Afloat. Colin and his long-term partner, Sean, began vlogging their boat-related adventures in 2018, with weekly videos posted on YouTube. Largely documenting their experiences as continuous cruisers, the videos have proved hugely popular. At present, their YouTube channel has 100,000 subscribers, and the videos have also been shown on the Amazon Prime channel. Before attaining such fame, Colin wrote about his journey to boat ownership in Waterways World, with a particular emphasis on how he hoped living afloat would improve his mental health, as he has been diagnosed with both autism spectrum disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We find out whether he feels the move has been successful in this regard, and his reactions to the popularity of their vlogs. So, let's take a listen. So where are you at the moment, Colin? Because last I heard you were on the Peat Forest Canal at Marple. Are you still there? No, it was such a... Oh, it was awful moving away because I, I I really could stay there. I just... I don't know what it is about just that six and a bit mile stretch between Marple and Whaley Bridge. And I just love it so much. But no, we... Uh, on as soon as we were allowed to make local trips on the 29th of March, we uh, we headed back into Marple to the services, and then just went down the bottom of the locks to the aqueduct. Stayed there for a few days, nice. and then just it was like a weird set of circumstances. We we nipped into Ashton and planned to stay at Portland Basin for a couple of nights. We had some friends who wanted to come and take some photos of the boat, and we got there. I think it just it it was weird. I don't know where it was. It was the middle of a riot, let's put it that way. And there was the police what? there. There was bottles flying everywhere. There was there was people with sound systems on the towpath, and we just thought this is not going to work. So we we got in touch with the people that owned it, which is difficult because of course everything's closed. And we got permission to just go across from the towpath and tie up to the trip boat for the night, just to be out of the way. Uh, and then we just bombed it into Manchester. So we've been, we've actually been, and um, we still are in Telford Basin in Piccadilly in Manchester. We've been here since uh, Friday, I think. Right. Wow. And what's going? Which down was in- lovely because well, we got here and it was it's lo- it was just so peaceful. I mean, you normally can't hear a thing, and we knew there was some building work going on because we could see this old warehouse being sort of halfway through being redeveloped and we didn't think anything of it and of course it was good friday when we got here so there was not no work going on friday saturday sunday and yesterday and then eight o'clock this morning <laughs> it just all kicked off it's like ah right yeah that explains the dust everywhere <laughs> so where do you plan to cruise from manchester because you're a bit hemmed in by stoppages at the moment aren't you yeah well this is it exactly we the original plan is we weren't going to come down the the ashton at all into manchester we were going to go from the peat forest back down the macclesfield which we vlogged two years ago we didn't vlog it very well i don't think i've vlogged it very well so we were going to vlog that again and then we were going to bomb from 
from April the 12th, we were going to bomb from the bottom of the Mac right down to uh, Great Haywood, and we were going to start the Stafford, the Staffs and Wust down towards Worcester, uh, come back up uh, towards Birmingham, then across and back down towards Crick. Think in the kind of hope and expectation that there might be a live crick this year. If not, we were just going to come back up the uh, the Trent back towards Yorkshire. But none of that's been possible. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we're in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, they, they closed the Macclesfield like a week before we were due to set off. Uh, so yeah, because like the, the Macclesfield's closed, and we we got wind of how serious that is, and it's probably going to be some time. So. We we ruled that one out, and then yeah. the other plan was to come down into Manchester, up the Bridgewater, down the Trent and Mersey, and then the same thing down towards Great Haywood and, and off and off there. But then, obviously, this landslip on on that northern section of the Trent and Mersey's put paid to that. We've also been told that that's going to be a while, but there's I think there's an update tomorrow on that one. Uh, and then, yeah, Rochdale's closed, Leeds and Liverpool at Wigan closed. Uh, Shropshire Union closed. Oh, yeah. So we the, the plan was come into Manchester, spend a few days in Manchester, and then just wait for these updates on on Wigan and on the Trent and Mersey, and and just see what's what. And I think if all else if all else fails, we'll just go up the Bridgewater, up the Lee Branch, and then possibly back over the Leeds and Liverpool, uh, up the Wigan flight before the stoppage, and yes. uh, and re- redo the Leeds Liverpool because the first time we did that. I think we just we'd only just got the boat, and I think we'd had it. We'd been on the Lancaster, and that was it. So we were really new to vlogging, and we didn't do much vlogging off the Leeds Liverpool. I think we completely missed Gargrave and Skipton, and so some of the best bits. So right. it's like the third choice for us, but it's a Not canal a bad choice. Like. It's <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's exactly it. it. Is it's a really nice canal. It's one of the sort of dual canals. It's it's like the, the big canal in the north, and Apart from the the, the the locks and the swing bridges, it is it is beautiful. Yeah. Well, good luck uh, wherever your travels take. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder how many of your many uh, viewers on of your vlogs know that Silver Fox isn't your first boat. You've actually been on the water back in was it two thousand and four? That's right. Yeah, we made the same decision based on the same principles that we made the decision this time, which was that we needed to get away from the stress. And I was, my autism was undiagnosed at that time. And we didn't know what was going on in my head, but we just made this choice to escape. And What were you doing before you made the decision to live afloat? Uh, oh, now there's a question. 2004, I would have, uh, I would have just come, I was working on the railways I was a, a guard, a conductor on the railways, and I think I'd just come out of there. And I was in this same downward spiral that I was in three or four years ago when it started this time. So I'd, I'd just come out of employment with, uh, it was as it was then, Regional Railways Northeast. I think it's Northern Rail now. And and we'd come out, and, and, and it was the same thing. We'd, we'd, we'd used to go walking around Stanley Ferry all the time. It used to ease the stress it was a chilled afternoon out so we decided to get a boat and we did the same thing we went we looked at boat builders we watched the boat being built and we called that one the great escape which it was it, it okay. seemed like it mm. but at the time i think i mean there was no social media 
I, it's weird when you talk about 2004 because it sounds so recent, but yet there was no social media. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I don't even know if YouTube was about then, but the internet wasn't really that. I mean, it was around, but it wasn't kind of easily accessible from a boat. No. Let's put it that way. It was very expensive. Uh, there was no iPhone back then, I don't think, was there? Um, no, uh, smartphones weren't about. No, that's it. I think so it's it, back in the uh, that was in the back in the MySpace era. I don't think even Facebook had uh, was prevailing then. So, uh, oh, yeah. everybody had Tom as a friend from MySpace, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. That's <laughs> I wonder right. what happened to Tom. What's Tom doing now? Eh? <laughs> but it, it didn't work. I mean, I think that's part of the reason. There was we had no plan, and we hadn't judged it financially we hadn't planned it at all and we had a little bit of money to keep us going there was no social media it didn't do my mind any good at all and I think the thing that finished it off that time was there was just so many problems with the boat that we had back then that because we'd never done it before we'd only hired boats we were very green to it all and I mean when we look back now it's very silly things that probably wouldn't have made us move off the boat if it had happened this time but I think the state my mind was in at the time, it was just like, no, this is a mistake. Looking back, it just wasn't the right time. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't. It's just wrong. The wrong time. We hadn't planned it properly, and we had no plan going forward. And I think the problems with the boat were just the final straw. And it was like, no, we we need to get away from this. And and it was a bit of a sad ending, really, because that could have been that could have been really good. I mean, it's really good this time. But I think yeah. yeah, I think the mistakes and the things that we learned first time around have definitely benefited us this time around. So how long were you on the boat for? Oh, literally just months. Right. It, it wasn't right. long at all. I think we I think we launched the boat in September, October of two thousand and four. Uh, and we were off again in in, in early two thousand and five, so maybe January, February. It wasn't long at all. There's no social media back then, as you pointed out, but you did get national TV coverage on a series called Waterworld. Yeah, the... wonder where they got that name from, eh? <laughs> it was it was weird because when we were down in Hanbury and looking at the new boat, it was the uh, new boat company as it was then. It's the new unused boat company now, I think, isn't it? Uh, back then, it was the new boat company, and we we bought the boat from them and. I mean, the issues we had was nothing to do with the workmanship or anything like that, and and they were absolutely amazing in how they dealt with everything. But the boat was built out in Poland, as as all their aqualines were back in in the kind of mid two thousands, and we were I can't remember what we were doing. We'd gone down to Hambury for something, and 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 Chris and I think it was Gemma that was there at the time said, "Oh, uh, Radio BBC Radio Worcester want to want to interview you about it," and immediately Sean kind of backs away because. On on our vlogs, Sean always comes across as the one that's very chatty and, and open, and and it kind of when it comes to live stuff like recording this podcast, he backs away. He can't do it. He just can't think on the spot to speak. And we ended up doing this thing for BBC Worcester, and then we got a call from a researcher at ITV, I think it was, uh, or Disco- I can't remember who did it. I think it was ITV, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I know Discovery kind of bought the whole package of them but i think it was itv at the time and uh, and they, they just sort of said oh we're, we're very interested in 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 what you're doing uh would it be okay if we did some filming and we're like, well 
yeah, I suppose so. And it kind of happened. And it's weird when we look back because we look like about 16-year-olds. <laughs> people are watching because we put some clips on, on the current vlogs and, and people are like, what happened? What happened to you two in 16 years? <laughs> well, I've seen the videos um, and I think they're, <laughs> I think they're exaggerating. <laughs> so moving afloat uh, on your second boat, Silver Fox, was based on the same principle of wanting to improve your well-being. Um, has it been successful the second time round? Yes and no. And um, I think... When we first did this, there was like a, there was a tagline, uh, not necessarily like a, a PR tagline, just in my head, and it was that we were doing this to save my mental health, and that that mm. was like a tagline to, as we started doing this. And a lot of people ask, "Has it?" And I, I've got to be completely honest, no, it hasn't at all. And I don't think there's one reason. It's not moving on to the boat that's the reason that it hasn't i don't think there's a single reason let me make that a shorter version of a very long story this it hasn't helped it hasn't saved my mental health i think my mental health is going to be an issue forever and the one thing that i have learned over the past two three years is that it's more a case of you've got to learn to live with the issues that affect you rather than trying to change the environment that you live with those issues with if that makes sense mm-hmm. but it's yeah. like it's the grass is always greener on the other side example it, it never is it always looks like this idyllic stress-free relaxing chilled out always sunny and warm <laughs> lifestyle and it's really not and that's that's a bit weird because it's not it's not the winter and the muddy towpaths and the stress of running out of coal when the coal boat's not due for a week. It's not that 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 doesn't make the mental health issues better. I think it's just purely the fact that your mental health issues, any problems, are going to be with you wherever you go. And I don't think the environment can change the fundamental cause. Mm. I think it can help in relation to coping with it and dealing with it, which it has done. Mm. So mm. I do find it easier to deal with living the lifestyle that we are now, but I wouldn't say that it's saved my mental health. I wouldn't change anything, mm. and we've got no plans to, to move off. I think this is a, still a better lifestyle than the lifestyle we had before. So it's helped in that respect, and it is, it's easier to calm down. The, the the meltdowns that I have, the, the autistic meltdowns that I used to have probably monthly, I now have maybe every three, four, five months. So there's an improvement, That's but the, un, the yeah. underlying issues and, and, and the, like the, the, the principles of the mental health issues are still there. I don't think that will ever change. I think it's just, like I said at the beginning, it's just, it's just learning to live and cope with them. I remember reading in the magazine that you said you had a kind of a hypersensitivity to noise and and light. Um, how does that does the canal environment mitigate that to any degree? It does exacerbate it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It does both. Yeah, you, you're right. It, it's it, it, it in one respect, and this is this is a little bit weird for for some people to understand because the. The sensory issues are, are generally the, the, the clusters of one of my autistic traits that people with autism do tend to suffer with uh, 
sensory issues, not necessarily uh, that that things are, are always too loud or too bright or too strong. It can be the it can be the opposite way around. For me, and and this is again, it's it's a little bit difficult to to understand if you if you've not experienced it. To me, volume is the same whatever it is. So I'm sat on the boat at my dinette with my computer in front of me and I can hear you talking to me when you talk, <laughs> but mm-hmm. the wind outside, the people talking, the geese, the water, cause it's quite a windy day today. So the water's lapping up against the boat. Uh, Otis is actually snoring. You probably can't hear that. <laughs> and all those are the same volume. So it's a little bit like having five, six, seven televisions in front of you, all on different channels, all exactly the same volume. And that's, that's how I, that's how I hear things. So I get used to that and there's ways that I can deal with that. So the environment yeah. that I'm in, where I'm in a nice, a lovely quiet place, which where we are at the moment is, is, is beautifully quiet. So there's not a lot of sound to conflict with another sound. So it's actually all right. If I get in a situation where we've got the TV going, where we've got a boat behind us with a generator going, where we've got geese fighting over females outside which they have been for the last few weeks and whatever whatever else that's when it starts to become an issue and there's certain noises and certain sounds that that really affect me more than others so any kind of white noise traffic wind things like that don't bother me at all but unnatural noises things like dogs barking which would annoy anybody to be honest sure but a dog barking uh, a generator uh, people digging up the road, things that would normally affect anybody uh, tend to have such an effect on me that it will literally cause me to uh, imagine the fight and flight response. It's very similar to that, but it reaches a point where the fight and flight response gets so intense that my mind can't cope with it and it starts to shut down, which is where what we call a meltdown happens and my mind can't cope with it. So I basically just get noise cancelling headphones. I can't think if somebody could say something to me and I just can't hear it. I can't understand it. I can't process it. And I just end up curled up in fetal position on the bed and I just kind of melt down and I could be there for an hour. I could be there for six hours. I think two days is the longest. Uh, and you have to just wait for your mind to kind of reprocess and reset and and come round again, and it's exhausting. And it's nobody else's fault. People, people, all people. I think everybody knows that Colin from Foxes Afloat hates generators, and it's not. <laughs> it's it's not because it's not because I think they're in, inherently evil and should be sunk to the bottom of every canal. It's not that at all, and and I don't think. I can't. I would never criticize anybody for using a generator because they have a specific use, and that's what they're used for. My issue yeah. is is that if I'm if my mind is in a sensitive state and we're more somewhere very quiet out in the middle of nowhere, and somebody literally moors right in front of us, drags a generator out onto the towpath, and leaves it running till ten o'clock at night, that will affect me, and that's that's the point that I try to make to people. And I think anybody <laughs> would take issue in that situation. <laughs> Does that kind of scenario happen often? Uh, it's it's not to be. I mean, to be honest, it hasn't. It's probably happened half a dozen times in two years. But yeah. I think the thing with this is, and again, this is not. I don't think an autistic trait of mine. I think this is the same with anybody. If you have a negative experience, the next time you're in a position where that could happen, 
you expect it to happen because that negative experience has happened to you before. It's the same way, I guess, if you were walking down a, a, a really dim towpath on a night and a group of lads jumped out and 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 shouted at you or attacked you or whatever, every time you walked down a, a quiet, dimly lit towpath, you'd be nervous of that happening again. And if you saw a group of lads coming towards you, you'd be edgy. And, uh, and it's just because you've had that negative experience, it reinforces that the next time you're in that position, it, it, it will happen again. And I think that's where it is. It's a boat comes up to us when we're in a very quiet place and you see them kind of slowing down. So automatically my, my mind is is going into this negative spiral of they're going to move right next to us. They're going to get a generator out. Gonna, do you know what I mean? And it's yes, nine times yeah. out of 10, that's not going to happen. But because it yeah. when it does happen, it just reinforces the expectation that next time, oh, it's going to happen again and again and again. And in of reality, course. 99 times out of 100, it doesn't. They just cruise straight yeah. by or they do pull up and just come and say hello and then they're off again yeah oh good <laughs> so back in 2018 you set about looking for your second boat can you give us a bit of an insight into your acquisition of silver fox yeah i think the first time we did it taught us a lot of lessons and so when we did it this time around we knew a lot of what we had to watch out for and i think we were extra careful that A, we didn't make the same mistakes that we made back in 2004 and B, that we could take advantage of technologies and and have things on the boat that that we wanted that would work for us. And mm. like we touched on earlier, we were talking about social media and, and the internet and that that is a big thing for me. It's, it's an escape for me. As much as we're out in the middle of nowhere and got just thousands of miles of countryside to to explore and, and 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 adventures to be had sometimes it's nice for me to just escape and talk to people on social media and and do the vlogs and and it is a big part of of what we wanted so when we were talking to boat builders we spent oh, months probably six to eight months just touring the country seeing boat builders going to brokerages uh the crick show uh, in 2018 and just talking to everybody and then if anybody said anything, we'd research what they said. And we kind of formulated in as heads what we wanted. I remember one of the really early vlogs. And I think in one vlog, we were talking about, oh, we want a new boat. Then we want a used boat. Then we want a used boat of this specification. And what we've got <laughs> is not, it's nowhere near what we, what we, the stages we went through. And I, can, I think it kind of just developed. And I think that was the right thing to do instead of just jumping in is we looked at everything. One minute we were getting a used boat, then we were getting a new boat, then we were getting a used boat again, and, and then we we stumbled across bigger stuff. I'm sure they won't like us using the term stumbled, but we <laughs> we, we came across bigger stuff, and and there was just something that that clicked straight away. Within, within the first few seconds, the, the first impressions were just, ah, uh, it, I don't think I can even put it into words. But it just felt right. It's when it's a lot of people say that the, you you fall in love with the boat, and yeah, I think even though it, our boat hadn't been built yet, but the kind of specification and the other boat, we we just knew, and the people were were the same. Uh, they just the whole team we just got on with immediately, and it just felt like family. So it was a combination of the right people and you reviewing their previous builds. That was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think they were even up to build 12. I think they'd done 10 or 11 boats by that time, maybe not even that. 
I'm sorry, guys. Right. We've got. A, can you hear the storm? <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, is it, it is it snowing? There? It's yeah, it's hailing and blowing a right hooly. We had hail. Yeah, um, as I'm talking to you, I've got heavy, heavy snow outside. It's <laughs> <is> bizarre. <laughs> Was the boat a bespoke build? No, and this is where it got confusing for quite a few people on the vlogs because Kev and the team at Bickerstaff had developed this boat that was kind of off the peg and they'd gotten into the habit of building a boat, advertising it and selling it. And we met them at Crick. Well, we didn't actually, actually, I mean, to be very specific, they were the only boat builder we didn't meet at Crick because there was just, we couldn't get on, we couldn't get on the boats. It was just too busy there. And we called them after and went over to Liverpool. And I remember that very first discussion where it was like, can we have a pull-out double bed? Can we have an extra electric point here? Can we have the And Kev was like, oh, no. And you could tell that he'd got this, design and he was very happy with it and it worked really well and he wasn't keen on us walking in and saying oh well can we have this can we have that and I think that's a that's a theme that's run on ever since for him because prospective customers have gone after seeing our vlogs and 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 said the same thing and he doesn't like that change it was very much uh this is what you get and I think it was a miracle that we managed to persuade him to develop this pull-out bed, which wasn't, it wasn't a new thing. It wasn't such an innovative, out-of-this-world new thing. People were doing pull-out beds for years. So it was just a case of Kev and Rob just kind of tweaking their original design just to adapt it for us. Uh, and I think we talked him into two or three things like that. So it wasn't a bespoke boat. I think he had this design, which he's, he's still building now. He still builds the same design. But I think on each build, he's adding this extra little thing. So whatever boat is up to now, which is probably in the 20s or 30s, I don't know. But it's it kind of developed after we went in and said, oh, we want this pull-out bed. So from the next boat, we're talking about things like diesel stoves and a slightly different galley design and... It's going to be interesting to see what his reaction is because it's not a bespoke boat. It's just that I think as each boat goes on, he makes these little changes. Uh, but what he can, what he won't do is go in and, and a customer come in and say, "Oh, I want a, a fifty foot. I want it wide beam. I want this, that, and the other." It's yeah. it's definitely still a an off the peg model. So, am I right in inferring that you're planning another boat? Is that? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, that's big news. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Go on. We, we, we hinted at it uh, a few months ago, and the way it came about, there's, there's a bit of confusion. I don't know why there's confusion, because we, we made it very clear what was going on, but uh, some people don't watch the vlogs in order or, or, or see something on social media and, and misinterpret it. Uh, last summer, we, we just jokingly had a conversation about another boat, and it got us all thinking and we we put this plan together where we'd get a new shell built with a few little variations and then because silver fox is such a popular boat on the network we wanted to take it a little bit further and so all the people 
that were involved in the build of Silver Fox have got together. And we're coming up with a plan to make a, a new prototype boat. And I can't give you any details because there aren't any. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie and say that. Oh, it's some big secret and there's, there's a big reveal. It's nothing like that. And in fact, when uh, when the lockdown started, that kind of put everything on on ice for a while because the plan is that we're gonna film and vlog the new build to such an extent that has never been done before on YouTube as a YouTube series. And that's that's one of the reasons we're doing it. And what we're going to do is just bring a lot of ideas together that viewers of the vlogs have submitted, uh, that Kevin, the team at Bickerstaff, that other people that are involved in the boat, like Coldwells at, at Wigan, who do the glass and the windows, and uh, Dave at Amtrim in Preston, who do the covers, and uh, things like the solar and the power systems and management and all this. And we, we're just trying to push the boundary as far as we can and develop this new prototype boat that will not replace Silver Fox, because we can't ever replace Silver Fox. But it's just like the next step, and it's just an opportunity where we can all get together and just record it and publish it in such a way that... I think people will end up copying it. <laughs> it will be there'll be so much detail. People will copy it, and it will be like a template for a new a new prototype narrowboat. And we're just all like so excited about doing this. And the only problem we had was COVID, which, like I say, just put everything on ice. So as soon as the restrictions are lifted fully, hopefully, fingers crossed, in in June, then we can look at starting to film, and and uh, and it's going to be a. a, a fantastic new project so excited about it sounds absolutely fantastic yeah um so at the end of it will you and uh sean effectively have your own boat each will you have two boats oh that would be amazing <laughs> i can finally have the train set and the bath <laughs> <laughs> the two things i miss in life I can, yeah that'd be that'd be amazing no we've uh we'll be selling narrowboat silver fox uh to pay for the new boat right so yeah. uh i mean we, we we've been completely honest about this the, the the new boat will be funded by selling this boat uh by uh commercial uh work with with youtube and, and amazon prime video and the, the the combination of that will 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 pay for the new boat so no it'll mean yeah when, once once it's built if we like it because there's no yes. guarantee we'll like it, but uh, but yeah, the, the 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 likelihood is that we'll be we'll be selling Silver Fox to uh, to pay for the new boat. So, what sort of time frame for the new boat are we looking? Do you have any idea when the work may start? Originally, the base plate was due to go down in November 2020, but obviously we were in lockdown in November. Uh, Sean and I both had COVID, and and Sean's dad passed away in November, so. It was just there was there was too much going on, and it was impossible to even think about starting to film. It was the wrong time. I mean, personally for us too, we weren't we weren't in a position to. But we spoke with Kev and and a few other people, and we just decided that it, it wasn't the right time. There was too much going on. COVID was just such a big thing, mm. and it wouldn't be the right time to be trying to. I can't even think of the word. It, it, it would be the wrong time. And it would be too difficult to try and film it with the restrictions we were under to the type of quality, type of content that we wanted. And so we took a group decision just to put it on hold. And hopefully, uh, if if this roadmap goes okay, um, 
everything is is ba- not back to normal, but most of the restrictions are relaxed in June. Hopefully, we're looking at starting in in late June or July this year. Excellent, exciting. Um, before you even acquired Silver Fox, you began vlogging your experiences, and I was interested in something you said earlier. You suggested that um, vlogging and social media serve as an escape for you. Are they an escape? Yes and no. It's. I find it extremely difficult talking to people face to face. Very, very difficult. And people that talk to me face to face don't really get that impression. I think it's it's more of an internal. It is an internal struggle, and it does exhaust me. It is mentally difficult for me to cope with uh, as Mm. much as that doesn't come across sometimes people tend to see me as they see me in the vlogs where I'm talking to a camera and talking to a camera talking to a microphone like this to you is is just a completely different thing for me and so I'm not able to make friends that easily and as much as we've got, I mean, we've got like hundred, hundred odd thousand viewers on YouTube, Amazing. and yeah. like nearly ten thousand people on Twitter, and seventeen thousand on Facebook. So there's like tens, hundreds of thousands of people out there, and I've never met <laughs> like the vast ninety nine point nine nine percent. I will never meet, and I have never met. So social media is a way for me to comfortably talk to people and mm. to develop friendships and to maintain friendships and so as far as a an escape that's that is my escape that's the way that I can socialize with people in a way that's comfortable for me and I can still talk to people I can still be there for people I think the thing is is that as popular as the I don't know whether to call it a channel or a brand or what but as popular as foxes afloat has got you're always going to start to see that element of negativity uh creeping in and the wider the audience i think the 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 more that negative that negativity is going to creep in and so i think you've got to expect it and the 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 amount of people that engage with us as as a brand now is we are going to get trolls we are going to see negativity and i think sometimes you need to sit back and actually look at it in in perspective that there might be close to 150,000 people that engage with us and there's two <laughs> there's two yeah that are very 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 negative to the point that that we have to take action against them and yeah. you're always going to get silly people that are either drunk or just uh young or immature whatever that that that, that will put immature comments and, and try to just angry you. yeah there's there's a difference i think between that childish name calling which is it doesn't mean anything it's it's quite funny sometimes but there is a difference between that and the really really hardcore nasty abuse and like i just said i mean we're talking about two maybe three people out of over a hundred thousand maybe a hundred and fifty thousand so in perspective it's it's nothing uh Mm. but you do tend to find that you do concentrate sometimes or used to do. I mean, we've found ways since since all this started happening. We've found ways to to deal with it and control it. But yeah, for some people, 
I can imagine, and and, and in my own experience, I've, I've met and spoken to people where it is very, very difficult to deal with. But for me, because it's because social media is 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 the only way that I can engage and socialize in a way that I feel fulfills my need to talk to people it's a price worth paying because at the end of the day these two or three people are, 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 are not worth they're not worth worrying about to be honest as Definitely, as nasty yeah. and, and and they can be nasty as nasty as they can get uh, you just you learn to deal with it and there's things that you can do to stop it I'm wondering if creating the vlog brings any other stresses? I'm sure you must get recognised a lot when you're out and about on the waterways. It is so weird. It <laughs> yeah. really is weird. The the first crick show we came to in in 2018. Uh, sorry, 2019. Oh, was it 2018? I can't remember. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, yeah. We we I think we did our first vlog in the beginning of May, and we went to we went to crick 2018 with about 500 subscribers. And about 30 people stopped us. And it was just, it's, hang on a minute, we've got 500 subscribers and people were stopping us and talking to us. By 2019, uh, Crick, I think we had 5,000 subscribers and and that was just mental. I mean, mm. it was just absolutely mental, the amount of people coming up to us. And that was with 5,000 subscribers. I think as we're talking now, there's about 101, 102,000. And it's like, we... I can't. I don't even want to think about it because <laughs> because I'm not not because I, I I don't know what it is. I think it's just fear because I'm not good socially one to one. I think that that scares me. Out on the yeah. canals, yeah. I mean, we get we get recognised all the time, dozens and dozens of times a day, sometimes depending on where we are. And I think the thing about lockdown over the last year is that we've been stood still a lot. So in lockdown one, we were, I think we started at Napton and we ended up about as far as Marston Dole's, about four miles away. Uh, so we didn't move much and we were out in the country. So nobody saw us. Lockdown two in November, we were we were both struck with COVID and we were at Etruria for five weeks and we didn't move from there. And then this last one, we've just been on the Peak Forest Canal for, I think we arrived, we, we were in Etruria, we'd got over COVID, and once we'd both tested negative, uh, I think it was a week after we'd both tested negative that uh, Sean's dad died, and we had to get as close as we could to the family and the closest we could get was the peak forest canal so we ended up right. giving the crt a call and saying look we're, we're we're at etruria we need to be at the peak forest around marple that's the closest we can get uh, direct public transport through to sheffield and it's three-day cruise and they were like yeah it's absolutely fine it's the circumstances are fine just just go and i think we arrived on the peak forest canal 17th of december and we moved on the 30th of March, so it was like 102 days we were on the Peak Forest Canal. 102 days, right? 102 days. And I'd go back in a shot, but even there, every single day, there's people knocking on the boat and bringing biscuits and things for Otis and bottles of wine for Sean. And it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing because we just see what any other boater sees because we don't see the people that watch us it's it's difficult to comprehend when people do come and say hello because we never see anybody we just do the vlogs and put them out on youtube and 
and talk to people on there and answer comments and things, but we never see people physically. So even if only two or three people a day do it, it's still weird and, and, and mm. strange because we just don't, we don't see the people out there watching. So we don't, it's difficult to understand when they're actually knocking on the boat, that they actually exist. It's just like this big whole wide world, but you never see any of them. It's just so strange. I can imagine. Yeah. There's a juxtaposition there for sure. Were you expecting the, the vlogs to be so, so successful? No, never, never, ever. We were, it was, originally it was a hobby for me and, like I was talking about right at the beginning when we were talking about the first boat and there was no social media and quite difficult to access internet on the boat 16, 17 years ago. So we, we set this up and there, this is the reason we did it before we moved on the boat. So I wanted to get used to it. And it was like a cross between a diary of, 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 of the decision-making of the process of the research of the build. And then as we were cruising, it was just, it was just going to be a hobby and it was Joe and Michael from their narrowboat channel Minimalist. They were the inspiration for me. We were watching their vlogs from, well, from their day one. I think they were about 50 or 60 vlogs into it when we first discovered them. And so our early vlogs and our early cruising vlogs were, were kind of based on on them. They were the inspiration. And it, it was it was really weird when things started taking off. I mean, we we kind of had the same growth as as most of the YouTube channels until we got to about three or four weeks after we launched, and I think it was the Ribble Link vlog that uh, that just it just that was the point where it just mushroomed and and the is, subscribers. Is that the one? Is that the one with the sort of quite sensationalist trying not to sink the boat on the, <laughs> Don't on the sink. Ribble Link? Don't sink the on the Ribble Link. It is, yeah, don't <laughs> sink on the Ribble Link. And people, yeah. we st- to this day, we still get comments on there saying clickbait photograph. And it's like, it's not, it's, we've, we've got a copy-paste reply because it's it's actually a screenshot from the actual video. So it's, yeah. Not, yeah. it's like, this is what happened. And to be honest, it it didn't have to be like that. I think it was fate that gave us that little clip of video. We came out of Talton Lock much too quickly and too close to the boat in front of us and if we'd have given it just 30 seconds we wouldn't have had that amount of wash coming up against the side of the boat yeah yeah but if if we hadn't done that we wouldn't well pat and eileen on the boat in front of us wouldn't have got the video they wouldn't have given it to us we wouldn't have got the screenshot and we wouldn't have got the vlog so it's a bit weird because it probably never would have happened had it not been for that and I think the yeah. next time we do the Ribble Link, we definitely give it a minute or so before we come out and tell someone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that video is uh, among your most popular on YouTube. Um, and the other popular ones, well, some of them make sense to me. That, For instance, there's one um, about the collision you had when somebody crashed their boat into yours while you were moored up. Um, but others like um, you giving a tour of your now about home, that's also popular. So I guess when you make these videos, there's no telling how popular they'll be. That's exactly right. There's been times where I've spent two weeks filming and editing one episode with 100% confidence that this is going to be the biggest episode that we've ever done. And it Mm. will bomb. It will bomb. Mm. It will get half the views that other videos get. And 
then there'll be another time where I, I'm rushing to get a video. The last one, not the last one, I can't remember which one it was. It was either last week or the week before. And we were rushing to get it out because we'd used up most of the content during lockdown that we'd had. And we were running literally week to week. So we weren't cruising. So we were doing question and answer videos. We were doing living tips videos. And we would, I've got to be honest, we were just trying to stretch out what we had as far as we could get it <laughs> until lockdown ended. Because I have this thing, I, 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 I probably do put too much pressure on myself, but I, on, on myself, but I want to release a video every Friday because I know that, I know that there's people out there that really enjoy watching them whether I think they're good or not, there's people that really enjoy watching them and I don't want to disappoint them, which does put pressure. But going back to the original point, there was a video that I think I edited in a day and a half. And I normally like a good three or four days, sometimes five days. And I rushed this one out in a day and a half. And I remember saying to Sean, this is going to, this is just going to bomb. This is going to, yeah. we're going to lose subscribers. <laughs> Revenue is going to go down. It's, it's not going to be good. And expectations the week after are going to be so high. And it turned out to be the highest rated video for like six months. Yeah. And so you just yeah. you just don't know. And no. as time goes on, I think it is it it makes it less pressured because I'm starting to learn that you can't judge what the viewers are expecting. And you can't judge the the, the performance of a video. I think we just get into the stage now where we just record and edit and formulate it into the the the, a story for that week and put it out and you just get it's like licking your finger and pouring it in the air to see which direction the wind's going and Mm. you just wait and see what 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 happens and sometimes it's disappointing and sometimes you just sit back and look at the numbers and think how the heck has it got like that i have noticed though that the, the videos have become more advanced uh as you've gone on i mean that might be inevitable but in the last video i saw you when you were at marple you sort of did a um uh, a profile on the um the regent cinema in marple and so you sort of took the camera away from the the canal and when did you begin doing developing that almost <laughs> travelogue element of the show I'm going to be completely honest. The only reason that we did the Regent Cinema, and I'm sorry to everybody that lives in Marple, is that I had a vlog to fill and we couldn't cruise. So I think I was kind of forced into wandering away from the boat. And yeah. I've got to be honest, I really enjoyed it. And I think yeah, the last, great. The last great. time we did something similar to that was, I mean, it was still water-related, but I did I did something similar on, on Toddbrook Reservoir back in 2019. And I think we did one last year for the Waterways Experiences charity uh, down on the Grand Union. And I really enjoy them. They're hard work to put together because I'm not, I've got no training in, in video, in editing, in, in, in filming, anything like that. I've got no, I do have a background in, in radio, but that's literally what I'm doing now, which is sat in front of a microphone. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's more difficult for me to do it, but I really enjoyed the Regent Cinema one because I think we'd been on the Peak Forest Canal for so long that we'd integrated within that community. And a lot of people were sharing photos that we were posting on on like Marple group pages and New Mills group pages and Whaley Bridge group pages on, on social media. And we got really integrated within those communities. And so going to see inside this this really beautiful old rare 
independent cinema and and how it worked and and the history and how it's looked after fascinated me and i think if something fascinates you and you present it in in a certain way i think it can fascinate other people and mm. and i think that that really worked this time not just i mean the community in marple went mad for it which i'm glad because i didn't want to disappoint that community that we'd got ourselves integrated into but i think to expand that interest to of uh, to the type of viewer the demographic that follow us for canals and transportation and things like that to introduce this slightly different thing into a canal video i was scared whether it would work or not and it has worked which i'm really glad about yeah and, it was great yeah and and i think you're right i think we've got a lot of feedback in the days after saying please do more of this do more of this go out into the community and and get these little stories so well, i was surprised I, I felt like i was watching maybe a uh, a regional news channel or uh, <laughs> a, a sort of a, um, maybe a Michael Portillo type documentary. So um, that, no, should, have been, really that should have been me. I've had a, I, I've had a have you got Brad- the trousers for it though? You I've, know? Got, I've got the trousers, I've got the sports coat and I've got the Bradshaw's book and I would, I would love that job. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be very And he good. travels on trains all day. I mean, what better life can there be? He's living the dream, isn't he? That boy? <laughs> maybe not, maybe not the pink blazer though. <laughs> but in all seriousness you know you do have a big interest in history um have you always been interested in waterways history because i've noticed that a lot of your vlogs you do delve into the history of the waterways i'm just i'm a very nosy person mm. and i think we never used to do much about history when we first started and i think that the, the reason we didn't in the first place is and I think a lot of new YouTube channels are like this, not necessarily narrow boating channels, but a lot of people that come on YouTube need time to find their identity. They need to fit in in a certain way. And I think sometimes it can take a channel longer than others to, to find where your comfort zone is and where, what your niche is in within YouTube because it's such a massive place. And it wasn't until probably, I don't know, maybe three or four months after we'd begun cruising that, I started looking at the history and, and, and looking at these stories. In fact, I think the the first one that ever stood out to me was the story of the cow in the tunnel at Falridge Tunnel. Oh, this is and the one, the, ca- the cow that swam through the tunnel. Yeah, one, that's the one. One portal to the other, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, uh, supposedly revived with brandy at the other end. How true <laughs> that is, I don't, I don't know. But And we that fascinated know. me, and I think that's, that's where it started for me. And... I soon I soon learned that there is there is a story for literally every couple of yards of canal wherever yeah. you are in the country there's a story because it was people that dug the canals so every single inch of the 2000 mile plus network was dug by hand so there's going to be a story wherever you are and sometimes it's easier to find a story than other times but yeah, and, and I very, very quickly learned, because I've never had much interest in history before that, and I think it was the combination of the lifestyle we were living and just that genuine interest of this happened at this, this yeah, and, and, and that's it. And, and I tend to get, like I said, I tend to get very nosy and just delve deeper and deeper. And sometimes you just pick up some really interesting stories that yeah. on the surface don't look interesting at all. And you just need to dig that little bit deeper and you just find these nuggets, these golden nuggets of information that open up 
this other story and I think it's a combination of that and the way that that story is told and I think the combination of it is 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 key yeah absolutely well, Colin, thank you so much for your time today. I must say, actually, before we go, I have been a bit remiss in that I have failed to mention your third crew member, which is um, the dog Otis. And he is a fairly new acquisition, isn't he? Otis is the star of the show. <laughs> I was going yeah. to say that. but so, No, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he really is undeniably the star of the show. And he is, at the moment, is in, he's a terrible teenager, uh yeah he's testing me and sean to the limits (laughs) uh but yeah he's people have fallen in love with him and what kind of dog is he he's 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 quite a rare because people he's a cocker spaniel but people look at him and say he doesn't look like a cocker spaniel he's a what they call a lemon cocker spaniel which if you google lemon cocker spaniel you'll instantly see otis uh he does (laughs) look slightly different to the traditional kind of cocker spaniel look we wanted another Springer because we had Dylan, Dylan uh, yeah. before yeah. Otis and, and Dylan died in, in June last year. And we wanted another another Springer Spaniel, but we didn't we didn't want another Dylan because we can't have another Dylan. And that was the reason we didn't get a, a Springer that looked the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so we got Otis instead. And yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's it's <laughs> it's really difficult to talk about because He's toilet trained. He doesn't make a mess in the boat. He's not chewed anything on the boat. He behaves himself. He goes to bed. He's he's never really had an accident on the boat. He's he's perfect. He doesn't jump in the water. He's he's slipped in a couple of times, as as people will see in a in a vlog that's coming up. But he's just testing. He's just that typical testing teenager where he's pushing his luck. How far pushing can the boundaries? I go? Yeah, yeah yes. that's exactly. <laughs> So uh, he, he he will uh, he'll learn eventually, and he's he's very excitable around people. Oh, that's lovely, Colin. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been it's been really interesting. No problem. Over 45 years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. Visit abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats. Visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com.